It's finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Do It With Dan podcast. I'm here with Michael Clinton. Now, quick back. Uh, one of the guys that works with us, he's in Micro to Millions. He sends me this email. He's like, Dan, you got to check out this guy, my friend putting out a book soon. I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, okay, I was like oh, this is really interesting. I said, oh, can, 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 can we get in contact? And we're able to get in contact with Michael's team. And lo and behold, we've actually jumped ahead. We're, we're still in down season for recording, but I was like, I need to get this guy on the podcast. So we've gone ahead and got that done. Michael's gracious enough to make space to come and join us. Uh, as you'll see from the show notes, he's no spit and sawdust author. He's being internationally recognized for the wonderful work that he's doing. I'm going to stop waffling and let Michael tell you a bit more about himself himself. So Michael, without further ado, why don't you let the, the listeners know who you are and what it is you actually do? Thanks, Dan. It's so great to be with you. And thank you for the invitation. So, um, you know, I just finished a 40 year career in the magazine publishing industry in New York, and it was an amazing run. Um, I got to have great experiences like launching the Oprah magazine, launching HGTV and Food Network magazines, buying up two publishing companies and creating um, a mega publishing company with a lot of colleagues and and friends and and obviously team members. I mean, this is a a group effort and, you know, Mm -hmm. we're in print and digital and social. And I stepped out of the day to day in um, early 2020. So my timing was actually pretty good, right? <laughs> Perfect, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I decided to write this book, which we can get into. And I also mm-hmm. just finished doing a master's degree at Columbia. So um, I kept busy. I kept busy. You kept busy. You kept busy. So you basically got to the top of your game. I mean, it doesn't sound like you were still working in the mailroom. You got to the top of your game. You were able to create a business that you were able to step away from and it still operates. So you've kind of reached that level of mastery in in business and entrepreneurship. And then you went ahead and decided, well, you know, I'm, I'm publishing these books for other people. Why don't I convey some of my experiences in print too? And especially in a time like this, when there's so much uncertainty, there's so much madness going on in the world. A lot of people are getting to a point where they're starting to think more about what their life looks like on their own terms. Why don't we dive into the book and how the book's actually supporting people looking at that and understanding that there is no too late to go ahead and live the life that you want to live? Yeah, no, thank you. First of all, let me take you back for one second to the to the beginnings. Um, mm-hmm, please. You know, I, I arrived in New York City with $60 in my pocket and no contacts wow. and a couch wow. to sleep on for two, two months when I was in my 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying to live the dream of being in, a, mm-hmm. in, the, in the magazine publishing business. And I, I got to live my dream, which was an, is an amazing personal story. But um, flash forward uh, to answer your question. You know, the thing that I began to learn when I was exploring what would happen next in my life is everything that had been written and talked about was winding down. And, you know, I wanted to wind up because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're 45 and healthy today, there's a good opportunity that you can live to be 90 
you know, if you mm-hmm. take care of yourself and healthy and yeah. all the things that are fundamental. And so the old construct of, you know, having one career and then sort of, you know, retiring from that is an old construct that it doesn't have relevance anymore because mm-hmm. you can refire into a second career or a, new, or a third career at some point or a new lifestyle or a new love. Mm-hmm. And so this arc of what I'll call the 50 plus life is changing dramatically. And for someone who's 25 today, you know, their odds of living to be 90 or even greater than than, you know, someone in my generation or a baby who's being born today. Mm-hmm. You know, there's by the year 2100, it's projected there will be five and a half million people who are 100 years old in the United wow. States alone. So, I mean, this is a whole new restructure of sort of what's what's the second half of life look like? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I mean, even when we look at was it Germany? I think I was speaking to someone that Germany are increasing the the retirement age up to 70. Um, And a lot of people are saying, well, I don't want to keep working. I don't want to this, I don't want to that. But I really feel that comes down to what you're doing as a career, what you're doing as employment. So I I love what I do. My wife actually gets upset that I work as much as I do when I don't need to. It's like, baby, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work to me. I'm excited about, you know, this weekend on Sunday, I was doing some intensive coaching sessions. I was starting coaching people at six o'clock in the morning, right? On a Sunday. And I was excited. I, I got up early and I was really excited to do it. But so many people, much to your point, looking at the second half of their life, if we call it that, and they're thinking, oh, what am I going to do with it? I don't really want to do what I'm doing. But this is one of the things about that I pulled from your message. I'm, I'm not in that group, but looking from the outside in, one of the things I really took away is, well, I can actually create life on my terms. It's not too late to do that. I don't have to look at the potential of the next, I don't know, I'm 37 now, so I'm probably just behind that category of people, maybe I'm just touching the hundred year possibility, but looking at the next, you know, 63 years, would I be happy doing what I'm doing in in an evolutionary way? Yes, I, I would definitely be doing it. But for a lot of people, that's not the case. And I suppose this is where your story and your work really can start to inspire people. Yeah, no, it's really, that's well stated. And I think that, you know, there, there are those people who are happy to stay in their career, their profession, mm-hmm. you know, well into their 60s, 70s, and now 80s. And that, that should be something that becomes the new normal. And, you know, mm-hmm. part of the problem is that companies, institutions, you know, in their DEI policies, you know, many of them don't include age. And that's an issue because age affects everyone, regardless of you know who we are, or where we come from. Yeah. PwC did a study, and less than ten percent of the companies say they include age. So, you know, being able to work in your own profession in in your 60s, 70s, and so forth should be should be allowed. But if you're mm-hmm. choosing to say, you know, I want to move out of my profession, you know, what are some mm-hmm. of the action steps? that one can take. So mm-hmm. as, as you know, Dan, I interviewed 40 amazing individuals in this mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. Uh, the book Roar. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all what I call reimagineers because they yeah. have actually, if you will, walked the walk. Mm-hmm. And you know what they all did, there were some really interesting practical things. I, I would say they all spent a good year plus taking a deep dive into their own selves their own skills, their own dreams, their own capabilities before they decided to make the change and the pivot into a new direction. 
And some of them created what I would call a parallel life in that year or two, um, where they started seeding what they wanted to do next. Sometimes it was getting new skills, going to school, getting a certificate. Sometimes it was taking a, a hobby or a passion and beginning to create a side business that they then moved into um, you know, full time. Sometimes it was an interest in um, philanthropy or social justice or um, helping. Uh, I'll give you one example, a woman who was a CFO of a company and she started working on this on the weekends helping kids in underprivileged neighborhoods learn how to apply to colleges and learn how to take the exams and learn how to go through the steps because many of these kids didn't have the the knowledge or the skills and she ended Mm -hmm. up turning that into a business called on point Mm -hmm. she's now helped over eight thousand kids get into college from underprivileged neighborhoods and so but she ran that sort of as a parallel to her work and Mm -hmm. then she moved out of the cfo role into this full time so those are some examples some Mm -hmm. some real action steps that one can take yeah and i think there's something to be said for um taking the time out to allow the stability to still be there I feel that in my work, I've seen so many people go to take the big leap without actually having everything in order. They go into stress, they go into spin out, they go into, you know, the the allotropic load goes through the roof. They find themselves incapable of holding that new life that they've gone into because they don't have the stability to support it and then giving up, giving up or, or, or shutting down. Whereas much to your point, when we approach it from this parallel life, which I, I absolutely love, it's got this scientific, <laughs> this science fiction <laughs> uh, taste to it. You can actually make the migration over in grace and ease. And one of our concepts that we talk about in our work, micro shifting, very much is aligned with that. Not jumping in when you don't necessarily have to, you can go and get those skills, build the relationships, build the network, uh, get the comfort, build that stability, and then make the shift over. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Yeah, no, you very well well said as, as well. You know, one mm. of the there's an old uh, you you might be familiar with the SWOT analysis, which is yeah. the business is, you know strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. Yes, exactly, and mm-hmm. that can apply to us personally as well. Mm-hmm. And a good example of what you're saying is if you're going to move into an entrepreneurial mode, but in fact you really like the comfort of working in a big company and having all of the the stability and all of the support that you have in a big company, and you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, you better make sure that you have the the wherewithal to do that, because mm. being an entrepreneur is an entirely different kind of thing. Yeah, And so working that parallel life is a great way to sort of test those waters, because mm-hmm. I mean, you you know all too well the amount of time it takes to really launch an entrepreneurial <laughs> business. <Yeah>. So <laughs> I do. <laughs> so um, you know, you got to have the the strength and the stamina and the and the drive and the desire to, to do it. So you know, I think it's a really good process to go through in terms and and the other practical sides of that obviously are money and finances. Mm-hmm. How much mm-hmm. money do you need? And you know, are you funding your own your own idea? Or are you getting investors? So. You know, there's a lot of things to look at from a practical standpoint before you take take that leap. And, and by the way, I, I would argue also that I call that the pivot out, but there's also the pivot in. 
Mm. You know, if you're 45, I'll use my business for an example. You know, in the print-based business of magazines, the people who were in their 40s when the digital world really impacted and, and disrupted our business, they had to pivot in to learn digital in order to continue to grow and and, and in their in their job and in their company and in their industry. And if they didn't pivot in to take a deep dive, they were left behind. Mm. So, you know, every industry has its own disruption happening. You know, mm. it can be digital. It could be something else. So if you want to have a different experience in your own company or industry, I say pivot in is the other option. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and I think this also speaks to, there's a point that you, that you made that I really want to dive into. So I think entrepreneurship has become this sexy buzzword. Yeah. Um, people like Gary Vaynerchuk have really inspired a lot of people to be entrepreneurs. And to, but I think people have missed, I think sometimes, the truth that sits behind what he says, because he's like, yeah, you, you've got you've got to hustle. You know, he often shares ideas about, you know, what you can do is that side hustle to get your income going and then build something up. But people sort of just jump into one aspect, just the sexiness. And there's also been this whole sort of job shaming thing going on um, in the personal development industry where, you know, where, I'm, I'm, where I am, there are a lot of people who are sort of running this fake f- shop front of, you know, I'm this and I'm a coach and I do this and that. You haven't got any coaching clients and you're not even showing up fully in your job at the moment because you're trying to live these two lives. Whereas I interviewed, um, I was actually on her podcast and she was on mine, amazing woman called um, Crystal. She's actually out there in the Northeast. I think she's in New Jersey, if memory serves me correctly. And she does, she does some stuff with Reiki and she makes these beautiful candles. I've got crystals in them, which we, 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 we give out to some of our our clients as, as gifts. And she's openly like, yeah, I've got a corporate job and I love my corporate job. It provides me the income that means that I can do this stuff that I love on the side. I see my clients in the evenings and weekends. I make my candles. I go to fairs and I have a very fulfilled life. But that fulfillment comes from her, I think, being an integrity of owning the role that those two different things play for her. At some point, like the example you gave earlier with the lady who started, uh, I think it was Choice Point, I believe you said was the name of the business. Um, she can make that migration at some point if and when the entrepreneurship actually comes to a position where it can provide the financial as well as um, whole life support that her job does. But a lot of people are running away from the support because they're shamed of their job. And I think that's just a bit crazy. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's true. I mean, I would there's another dimension to this as well. And, Mm. you know, I write about this in the book. Um, You know, when I was 39 years old, I was the publisher of GQ Mm -hmm. in the U.S. And it was a great obviously a great job and a fun job. Mm -hmm. But I realized that all I was doing was working, working, working. And I sort of had this one dimensional life of, you know, a great life of being a magazine publisher. Mm. And, you know, in the book, um, there's a whole chapter devoted to this concept called life layering. Mm. And, you know, what life layering is, is that you're building out layers on your life that live on top of each other that you cultivate over a period of time. So my my particular life layers were adventure travel and, um, you know, creativity, photography and, you know, giving back through philanthropy and mm-hmm. you know, just giving back on, in the nonprofit sector and so what happened is over over 25 years, you know, I was able cumulatively to visit over 100 countries in the world. Beautiful. You know, I've had photography exhibits and published books of photography, et cetera. So that when I stepped out of my corporate job, 
I had this whole identity developed around my other layers, my passion layers. Mm. And so, you know, I was able to say, hey, you know, I'm an adventure traveler. I'm a photographer. I'm a someone who gives back. I'm a marathon runner, by the way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I always encourage people to think not just about their professional life, but also to build out their passion layers. Mm. And those passion layers may end up becoming your business or your mm-hmm. entrepreneurial you know, endeavor, mm-hmm. or you may move into that space full time working for a company in that space. Mm-hmm. So layering, um, what I call life layering is, is a great concept for people over the course of a lifetime. Of course. And, and I think that also really encourages people to start looking at things holistically, because I think sometimes when we're just making choices from a financial standpoint, we lose touch with the fact that money alone isn't going to provide fulfillment. It can give you the freedom of choice to explore those things that fulfill. But if you're not layering in these things that nourish you, almost a soul level, if you will, then there's going to be an emptiness that sits on the end of the paycheck. And when we look at the sad case of, you know, Hollywood stars and so on and so forth that have gone and sadly taken their life, which is a a struggle that I've, I, I faced myself before. It is that lack of, like holistic substance that can sometimes lead to that. But when you do start consciously taking a step to layer that in, maybe you'll find that the, 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 the upset or the sadness around your job doesn't exist when you take the time to layer in some things that do actually fulfill you. Yes. Um, you know, a good example of that for sure is people oftentimes say, you know, I'm not sure what I'd want to pursue or what you mm-hmm. know, layer I would want to create. And oftentimes I say to them, Go back to your younger self. Mm. What were the things in your younger <laughs> self that you gave up? Right. Exactly. Oh, you're laughing. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's so true. We not to cut you, but no, it's, true. It's, it's a question that I, I I ask people when we're working with them and we're looking at the idol life blueprint. It's what yeah. are the things that you would gravitate to as a child? Right. Particularly and- the things that the world told you that you shouldn't or that you couldn't gravitate to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was a kid, when I was in my teens, I wanted to be a pilot, you know, and I, I, you know, fantasized about being the, you know, a commercial Mm -hmm. airline pilot and all of that. Well, of course, life Mm -hmm. takes over and life goes on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it it was, it was always in the back of my mind. And when I was 40, I went and started taking flying lessons and I ended up becoming a a licensed private pilot. Um, And it brought me enormous satisfaction. I I think Mm -hmm. the thing, the the thing that, and you hit on it, it's a really good way of reframing. You know, everybody is focused on, am I happy happiness? Mm -hmm. And I would argue Mm -hmm. that fulfillment and satisfaction should be the focus. Because mm-hmm. if you're if you're satisfied through a layer that you create, whether it's going back to your younger self or something that you have an interest in now, that satisfaction will in fact bring you happiness. So mm-hmm. focus on the things that fulfill you and fill you up, and that in turn brings the the sense of happiness to you. So just reframing that is a good way to approach it. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. And there's just something I just want to touch on for the listeners. Uh, so I'm getting lost in this conversation with you. I almost forgot that there were listeners here for a second. It's um, So much to your point about being a licensed pilot, I actually started to take helicopter flying lessons um, before I left the UK three years ago. Yeah. And I took a few lessons like, I really can't be bothered to do this. It's a lot of stuff. You have to move the feet and the two hands are doing the two different things. And it's like, okay, there's a, it's like, oh, this isn't really that 
it's not as sexy as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right. But how often do we chase after something and bully ourselves into going all the way through with it when it doesn't actually add a layer? So how many people are taking energy, time and resources that could be building a layer that actually nourishes them to do something that doesn't actually fill them up at all? Well, you know, this was something that you thought you might enjoy. Yes. And you learned that you didn't. And I think think that that's fine because Mm -hmm. I think at least you tried it. Yes, I did. This always reminds me of, you know, when, you know, someone in their 20s says, you know, I've decided I want to become an actor. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a really tough road to hoe because, (laughs) you know, there's so many, um, you know, variables that lead to success as an actor. But I oftentimes say to someone who's in their 20s, do it now, because Mm. you may do it and you might find a path. But if you don't do it, when you're 35, you're going to be saying, you know, what might have happened had I done that? Mm. So sometimes that might be a short path, sometimes. So I think we have to try the things that we think we like, or Mm -hmm. we think we're interested in. Um, Mm. And that's, you know, one of the things that I talk about in the book, is, you know, we all know those people who say, well, I want to write a book. Well, I'm going to write a book. Well, I mm-hmm. want to write a book. Well, I, mm-hmm. and, you know, finally, I, I said to a friend of mine, um, are you writing that book that you've been talking about for five years? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, she looked at me like, what do you, what do you mean? I said, well, you sure are talking a lot about it. <laughs> either you're going to like, either you're going to do it or stop talking about it. And I said it in a nice way. Yeah. Um, and I said, here's here's a here's a book. It's called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I said, why mm-hmm. don't you pick up that book? Because it teaches you about the discipline of writing and or creative mm-hmm. and a creative process. And, you know, oftentimes we all spend too much time talking about what we want to do mm-hmm. as opposed to taking the first step and trying something. So I applaud you for taking those helicopters lessons yeah um because it was you learned that it wasn't something you exactly it was the opportunity to learn so the resentment the resentment of oh i didn't fly helicopter now we've got i've got my stepdaughter and got i've got the baby you know if i if i'd gotten to this point it's like now i've got responsibilities i'm also in a spanish-speaking country so um helicopter lessons would certainly be a lot more complicated to, to do here than it was when i was in the uk but i had the opportunity to see but yeah like how how often are we not a not trying and then b having tried and not enjoyed it suffered through finishing it rather than deploying that energy to do something else it's, it's so true. And sometimes you've discovered though, that you necessarily wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That's good, exactly. too. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, you sort of move into a space that you're like, oh, wow, I really like this. And I really, you know, I want to pursue this. And you might <laughs> learn that in your 40s or 30s or 50s or whatever. It doesn't Amazing. matter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's one piece of your life that I want to I want to dive back into before we start to talk to, about how people can get hold of the book. And of course, we're going to pop some stuff in the show notes, but, you know, yeah. connect with you more and, and follow your journey for the next 60 or 70 years. Wink, wink. Um, and that's coming to New York with 60 bucks and a sofa to stay on right. and making it to the top of industry where you can sort of take a sidestep and now come and have this next chapter and start to inspire people. Is there something, was there something that kept you burning 
right? Kept the fire burning. I mean, you, you've spoken about acting industry. From what I've heard about the publishing industry too, that's not the easiest industry either, but you were able to make it. Is there something that set you apart? Yeah. Something that you found to be a, a common thread amongst your peers that have also made it to the top of the industry that you could share with the listeners? Yeah, it's a good question. First of all, you know, I just to go back again. So I my, my beginnings, I came from a poor working class family where there was no education at all. Wow. I was the first one to graduate from college. And so, you know, when I came to New York, um, I had to feed myself uh, <laughs> because there was, um, you know, I had nothing else to fall back on. I mean, mm-hmm. my family had five other, my parents had five other children who were younger than me. They had to mm-hmm. feed them, not me. Mm-hmm. So part of it was survival, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was also a burning desire to b- build a path for myself and create something for myself. Um, I actually came to New York to be in publishing. So it was a chosen profession mm-hmm. that um, you can hear the New York City sirens. Yeah, I can out. hear the New York City sirens indeed. Yeah. Uh, welcome to New York City. Yeah, welcome to New York City. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a chosen profession that, I fortunately landed in early and absolutely loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that what what led me to success was incredible hard work, um, a, com- a total commitment to what I was doing, a passion to learning, mm-hmm. honesty, integrity, uh, transparency, treating everyone how it's an old cliche, but how I would want to be treated. Yeah, you know, I was always you know, all the way up through, through my ranks. Um, you know, I became the youngest publisher in the magazine industry at 34 at GQ. And, you know, it was a very heady moment, but I always sort of kept my feet to the ground. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it was just, you know, very, you know, hard, hard work with some luck and some timing thrown in Mm -hmm. and the importance of finding a mentor, Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, I've had two incredible professional mentors who guided me along the way. And, and a couple of one of them was particularly instrumental in me moving up the ranks. Um, and so I think that's really important. But I, I was lucky in that I really loved what I was doing. And by the way, it's kind of interesting because the publishing industry is not known for necessarily paying a lot of money. <laughs> um, but as I as I got higher up into the ranks, I actually enjoyed a really good income, mm-hmm. which allowed me to, you know, do a lot more things in my life than I had anticipated. So, um, but I would say those were sort of the core, the core characteristics. And, um, you know, I think if you asked anyone about me in the, in the publishing world, they would say that guy is, you know, hardworking, you know, honest, was a great person to work with and for, et cetera. Mm. And so reputation is important as we build our careers. I love that. I love that. Um, and I think all too often people lose lose sight of the importance of relationship capital. Um, one of my mentors, he's actually in the coal, steam coal mining and oil industry. Um, he's uh, he's from West Africa. He lives in the U- between UK and Monaco, but he's been a mentor of mine for about eight years. And I remember when um, when my partners were doing a hostile takeover of my consulting business uh, back in 2016, and I, I went to see him. He was at the Intercontinental in London. We we sat down and we, we were just having a having a drink. So I really needed some advice, and he shared with me that you know I mean now he's probably worth in the region of 
seven or eight hundred million pounds, something like that, he's worth right now. But he shared with me that he had his first business was in timber in in uh, Liberia. But then when there was a civil war and the coup, he basically had to leave with nothing. And he ended up on a sofa in London with not a penny to his name. Um, I'd always thought that he came from money, but no, he didn't come from money either. His dad was a diplomat, but it wasn't, he was like an honest diplomat, if you will, and, and hadn't sort of filled his, his coffers. So, you know, my, my, my mentor had built up from nothing. And so now he was back in nothing. But he said, he said, Dan, within a year and a half, I was a multimillionaire again. I said, mm-hmm. And I just assumed it was daddy's money. He said, no, it was because of relationships. I looked after my relationships. And so I was able to get right back on the saddle. And I've always, 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 I mean, I was always paid attention to relationships, but at that time I understood that that was the true capital. And when you've got that, you can never be broke because people will know, like, and trust you. They'll work with you. They'll give you another chance. They'll put you into other people. They'll help connect you with other people. So yeah, leading first in relationship now has been a very, very big thing for me. Well, it's 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 um, funny you bring this up because there's a whole you know roar is an acronym uh, as you know and the mm-hmm. last R the last R stands for reassess your relationships mm-hmm. and a part of that is reassessing your professional relationships mm-hmm. because they're the ones who will lift you if you find yourself you know in a tough spot the people who you surround yourself with who are positive influences for you and mentors are the ones that will advise you and help you. And, you know, much like your friend um, mm-hmm. who had people around him. And I think that is so much more valuable than that, that sense of those relationships. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Definitely. Well, Michael, you've bathed us with some gems of wisdom. Um, I, I hope to high heaven that everybody listening to this understands no matter what period you're in in your life there's some wisdom to be gleaned from this book and from the stories that you've given us the opportunity to peek behind the curtain on whether listeners you're like me uh, in that mid-30s range and you're looking at the next chapter that may come at some time or maybe you're even in your 20s and looking at starting your chapters full stop there's definitely some wisdom to be gleaned from this and from from the journey that michael shared with us today so michael want to thank you uh, profusely for that, for making the time to come and hang out today. I know you've got lots of fun things that you're doing in your life, so I greatly appreciate it. Uh, for those that want to follow your journey, to dive in, what's the best way for them to connect with you, would you say? Oh, thank you. Yeah. First of all, I'm on LinkedIn, um, which is always a good professional platform. Yeah. Uh, RoarbyMichaelClinton.com is um, our author's website. And, you know, I'm on Twitter as well. And there's a Facebook page for Roar. And, uh, you know, the book has been, you know, been a great success. I'm, I'm, I'm honored and thrilled to say. Um, and so now we're thinking about how we take Roar and build it out uh, in, in other forms. But, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And well, um, thank you for that nice um, support on the book. My, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. And a shout out to Paul Gabriani for, uh, for sending me the yeah. email with the info about your book. Paul, love you loads, mate. And uh, thanks for the intro. Uh, guys, um, you've, you heard it here first. We'll pop some links in the show notes. But let's uh, let's take something, one thing from this episode that you can integrate, one thing that you can do something with to support you in living a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. So until next time, keep dreaming with your eyes open. Thank you again for listening. It would mean the world to me. If you would subscribe and rate and review the podcast, you guys have been epic. Last time I checked at the point of recording, we're up to over 400 ratings and reviews, stroke reviews on the podcast. It would be the world to me if we could keep that going, keep sharing and growing the listenership so more people can tap into what we're doing here. So 
So till next time, guys, thank you once again and goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.